Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sometimes life sucks. There, I said it. It's not what you expected to hear when you come to worship on Father's Day weekend, is it? Because typically we gather together in this place to encourage one another, to provide inspiration and hope for one another. And sometimes, as Christians, we like to think that we have kind of a corner on the market of happiness and peace, of patience and kindness. We think that if we just trust in God well enough, if we just show up for worship at least once or twice a month and occasionally throw something in the offering plate, then we ought to be guaranteed those good things in our lives. And yet our experience tells us otherwise. Because we still live in a world where terrorists cause fear. We still live in a world where child abuse is way too prolific. We live in a world where lawmakers go to practice baseball on a sunny afternoon and get gunned down. We live in a world of billions and billions of people. And yet loneliness is one of our biggest problems. Even as we gather together here on a Sunday morning, there are people sitting in the pews right now who are suffering with feelings of inadequacy and loss, of helplessness and hopelessness, of worthlessness and anxiety. And like the psalm writer, we cry out to God and we ask, where is God in the midst of all of that? A pastor friend of mine was telling me a couple weeks ago that he went to visit a couple from his congregation. They had been relatively recently married, both widowed in their 60s. They met one another in their early 70s, fell in love, and got married. But less than a year after they were married, the husband was diagnosed with a debilitating form of cancer, and it was racking his body. While this couple outwardly exuded hope to everyone around them, his condition couldn't be denied. He was, quite simply, wasting away. And so their pastor came to them thinking that he would talk to them about these challenging feelings, about how it was they were going to navigate the coming months in the midst of all these difficulties. But that's not what they wanted to talk about. They wanted to talk about peace and joy and love and all the things that good Christians talk about. They threw out all kinds of platitudes like God never gives people more than they can handle. And so he listened for a while. And he said a prayer with them. And when he got up to leave, the husband stayed put on the couch, but the wife followed him to the door. And as they walked through the front room, she said in a very loud voice to make sure that her husband could still hear it, Thank you for praying with us. We pray with everybody who comes through the door because we know that prayer changes things. And she said it with such confidence. But then after he walked out the door, she followed him out, closing the door tightly behind her, and together they went down the steps, across the sidewalk, all the way to the end of the driveway where his car was parked. And when they got there, she looked back to make sure the door was still closed tight, and then she leaned close to her pastor, and she said, I just feel like God 
has abandoned me. I don't know what to do anymore. And as those words came out, tears also began to fall down her cheeks. Perhaps she wasn't quite as strong as she appeared. Perhaps she wasn't as confident as she desperately, desperately wanted to be. She finally broke down, and she understood that she could not handle this situation with just a smile and a positive outlook any longer. The 22nd Psalm is one of the most famous, the most meaningful, and the most profound psalms of lament that we have. In fact, I think the psalmist is on to something that all of us could learn from. Because he doesn't try to cover up his feelings, he doesn't try to pretend that everything is okay, he doesn't suffer alone in silence, and he doesn't pretend to think he has all the answers to make it better. Instead, he cried out. And who did he cry out to? Well, the only one that was left in his mind. He cried out to God. Now, I know a little bit about crying out. As a child, I was very intimidated by the dark. I hated laying in bed at night. If thunder and lightning came, I just imagined that it would strike our house and it would start on fire. If I heard bumps in other parts of the house, I was sure it was a robber. And he wasn't just going to take my stuff, but he was going to take me too. And so when I heard those things... I didn't pretend that I had the answers. I didn't try to solve the problem. I didn't even know what I needed. But I was very confident of who I needed. Mommy, Daddy, I would cry out. Because if they were there with me, I knew everything would be okay. I remembered all the times they told me they loved me. I remembered all the times they had protected me before. And I knew I would be okay. They just had to get there beside me. Perhaps that's why we are admonished to have faith like a child. This psalm, this 22nd psalm, is attributed to King David. And we know a lot about David's life. We were talking about it with the children, that he faced a big giant Goliath when he was younger, that he was chosen even though he was just a shepherd boy to be the king. But we also know that David made his fair share of bad decisions. He faced more than his fair share of adversity in his life. And when problems came his way, rather than trying to fix them himself or be alone in his anguish, he cried out to God. David had a spectacular memory. Listen again to verse 7 that we read together. He remembered, In you our ancestors trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. He was thinking back to the Exodus when the Israelites were held in captivity in Egypt. The Israelites cried out to God, and God heard them. He heard them. On Friday, I was making visits to nursing homes, as I often do a day or two each week. And when I got to one particular nursing home, I was looking for the woman that I intended to visit, but she wasn't in her room. So I wandered around a little bit and finally got to the dining hall and saw her on the other side of the room. I called out her name and I waved. I went over and gave her a hug, as I always do when I first get there. But this time, she held me a little tighter 
and a little longer. And when we finally let go, I looked at her face, and she had tears welling up in her eyes. And so we sat down at the table, and I grabbed her hand, and I asked if she could tell me about her tears. (laughs) And could she ever? She had a whole list of things to tell me. She told me about her most recent health concerns. She told me about how the depression that she has dealt with for a long time just will not let go. She told me about her family struggles and how she feels completely helpless to be of any good to them. She told me about her struggles with her roommate and how that just, she isn't getting help with it. She talked and talked and talked and hopelessness just oozed out of her. And finally, when she ran out of things to say, I said, can I read a few verses to you? And so I read those first few verses from the 22nd Psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me, from the words of my groaning? And when I looked up at her after I read those, she didn't have to say anything. And I knew that those words didn't just belong to David, but they also belonged to her. And so then I asked her if she could remember another time in her life when she felt that way. She didn't even have to think about it. She knew right away. There was a time many, many years before that her husband had been in a horrible accident. At first they weren't sure if he was even going to survive, but even once that was okay, it was a long, long road to recovery. It was a time that she felt desperately hopeless in her life. And so I asked her how it is that she got through that time. And that didn't take much thought either. She told me about the people who sat in the waiting room at the hospital with her when her husband was in surgery. She talked about the people who brought her meals or took care of her children when she just didn't have the energy to do it. She talked about people who read her scripture and it always said what she most needed to hear. She talked about the way her husband healed And even though those doctors and nurses could explain it scientifically, she knew it was a miracle. And then she said something profound. She said, I couldn't see God then when the pain was so immense. But in hindsight, he was there. He was there all along. And we sat there for a minute or two letting those words sink in. And then through her tears, she smiled just a little bit. And she said, I guess that's what I needed today. I just needed to remember. And I think maybe I saw a little glimmer of hope in her eyes then. Because when we call on God, when all hope is lost, when we're in the middle of our anguish, something very powerful happens. We no longer try to pretend things are fine or try to be strong enough. We no longer depend on the power of positive thinking or work fruitlessly to create the illusion of hope. No, we finally put our trust where it actually belongs. We find true hope when we cling to Christ himself. There is a theologian by the name of Temper Longman, and I like the way he says it. He says, Jesus doesn't remove suffering from our lives when we follow him. Rather, he gives us hope and even joy to endure it, knowing that one day we will be delivered once and for all. 
You see, this whole psalm is just a prophecy of what Christ was going to do on the cross a thousand years later. Because after it was written, as Christ hung on that cross in agony, he cried out those exact same words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But when those words tumbled out of his mouth, everyone who was gathered around him would recall this famous psalm. They would remember that in the midst of desperate times and hopelessness and despair, all is not lost. Even as he was dying, Christ delivered hope to all who were around him. He reminded them that we have a God who keeps his promise, who remembers his people, who always restores the relationship. And so I stick with my original claim that I started with. Sometimes life sucks. But that's not what I really want you to remember today. I want you to remember this instead. We have a God who is faithful. He was faithful to the Israelites when they were in captivity in Egypt. He was faithful to David throughout his whole life. He was faithful as he hung on the cross. He was faithful to my dear friend on Friday when she remembered. And he is faithful to you. And so no matter how you feel today, know that you are not alone, that you are remembered, you are forgiven, and you are loved. Amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds always in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.